With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Today is Thursday, May 13th, 2021. On this day in 1981, Pope John Paul II was shot in Vatican City. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the attempted assassination of Pope John Paul II. Let's go back to Rome, just around 5 p.m. on May 13, 1981. Religious pilgrims of every nationality, international tourists, and local clergy sang hymns as they awaited the arrival of John Paul II. In the third year of his papacy, John Paul II had committed to holding general audiences each Wednesday. As often as possible, the Holy Father addressed the crowd in various languages, offering inspirational speeches, prayers, and spiritual music. On that May day, as the Pope's cart rounded the bend, the crowd called out, Viva il Papa! Viva il Papa! His vehicle moved at a snail's pace through St. Peter's Square as the Pope smiled, waved, and blessed the children held up to his reach. However, after only his first lap, he was stopped cold by a gunshot. The Pope dropped as a second shot rang out. He'd been hit in the abdomen. Precious blood soaked his milk-white robe. Chaos broke out as more gunfire cracked through the crowd. The third bullet struck a 60-year-old American traveler in her chest. The fourth pierced the arm of a 21-year-old Jamaican visitor. Both victims would later recover. Just a breath later, someone in the mob found the gunman and tackled him to the ground. Another bystander knocked the weapon from the shooter's hand and helped restrain him until the police arrived. Meanwhile, a team of medics rushed the Pope to Rome's Gemelli Hospital. His left hand was injured, and the second shot had narrowly missed his vital organs. The 61-year-old's temperature soared to a dangerously high 104 degrees. As the paramedics raced him to safety, Pope John Paul II murmured in a whisper, Madonna, Madonna, over and over in Polish, his native tongue. He soon made it to an OR, where doctors operated for well over five hours. Journalists reported that the Pope was in critical condition. But by the end of the night, the head surgeon was able to announce with confidence that the pontiff would recover. Meanwhile, the would-be assassin had been captured and detained. His name was Mehmet Ali Aja. He was just 23 years old. Coming up, the would-be assassin faces justice. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. 
When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from Parcast. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now back to the story. On May 13, 1981, 23-year-old Mehmet Ali Aja shot Pope John Paul II in the hand and abdomen in Rome's St. Peter's Square. Somehow, Aja had surreptitiously muscled his way through the crowd to stand only feet from the pontiff. The gun he used was a Browning high-power 9mm handgun. That particular model struck authorities as an odd choice for a lone killer. They set to work to determine where he'd gotten the weapon. They soon discovered that Aja was a member of the ultra-nationalist Turkish terrorist group known as the Grey Wolves. The Wolves assassinated labor organizers, public officials, reporters, and liberal activists. Their members were extreme, willing to do anything to shield Turkey from leftist political influence. It came as no surprise then that this assassination attempt wasn't Aja's first run-in with the law. Two years earlier, he was arrested for the vicious murder of a liberal Turkish newspaper editor. As he awaited his trial in November 1979, the Pope planned to visit Turkey. Just before the pontiff's trip, Aja managed somehow to escape from prison. After his getaway, correctional officers found a letter in his abandoned cell. It read, Western imperialists are sending the crusader commander John Paul under the mask of a religious leader. If this meaningless visit is not called off, I will shoot the Pope. This is the only reason that I escaped from prison. Thanks to his threat, security was tightened to stave off any attempted assassination in 1979. But Aja remained at large, having fled to Bulgaria. Just days before his 1981 attempt on the Pope's life, Aja flew from the Spanish island of Mallorca to Milan and used an assumed name to enter the country. From there, he made his way down to the Vatican. When law enforcement arrested Aja for shooting John Paul II, they found another note in his pocket. This one read, I am killing the Pope as a protest against the imperialism of the Soviet Union and the United States, and against the genocide in Salvador and Afghanistan. When cops removed him from St. Peter's Square, he thrashed about, spitting and shouting that he didn't care about his life. Four days later, the Pope offered his forgiveness to Aja from his hospital bed. 
he spent three more weeks in recovery before being released by doctors to continue his work. Aja pleaded guilty at his trial. Perhaps to cover for the wolves, he said he acted alone. Almost immediately, he was sentenced to life in prison. Months later, however, Aja changed his story. This time, he claimed his mission was part of a greater conspiracy involving Bulgarian intelligence services and Russia's KGB. But his case fell apart when Aja started referring to himself as Jesus Christ and spouted prophecies about the end of the world. Through the years, the would-be assassin's story has changed again and again. At one point, he said God instructed him to kill the Pope. Then he told authorities that the CIA commissioned the shooting. Later, he claimed high-up Vatican officials arranged everything. Given these contradictions, it's difficult to determine Aja's true motives. But none of that deterred the Pope. Over a decade later, he visited Aja in his prison cell. The new millennium was approaching, and the pontiff said that the year 2000 would be a holy jubilee. It would be a year for forgiveness. Shortly after the 19th anniversary of the shooting, June 14, 2000, he had Aja pardoned. The assassin was promptly extradited to Turkey, where he started serving time for his 1979 murder of the newspaper editor. Meanwhile, Pope John Paul II continued his work, even as he secretly suffered from Parkinson's disease. By 2000, he had trouble moving about. In his final days, he was forced to delegate many of his official duties to other Catholic officials. In the winter of 2005, he was admitted to the hospital with severe flu complications. Tragically, Pope John Paul II died two months later on April 2, 2005. On April 8th, over two million people attended his memorial service. At the time, newspapers reported the event as the most prominent funeral in recent world history. Even Aja traveled to lay white roses on the Pope's tomb in 2014. It was nearly 33 years since the pontiff offered him forgiveness for shooting him. Throughout the world, Pope John Paul II was remembered for his efforts to form bonds with people of all faiths and his remarkable capacity to forgive. His legacy continues to live on. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by John Levinson, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 